Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Two friends are sitting by the campfire, Jared and Ryan. After a long day of hiking around the Golden Aster Reserve in Gibson, Florida, everything is quiet and just the fire itself crackles with life. Jared, I, uh, heard from Lucy that you know some secrets about this place. Secrets, Ryan? Are you feeling okay? Dude, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just curious. Curious? About what? Uh, about the creatures that have been spotted around here. You know, urban myths. Creepy legends. You mean in Gibson, Florida? Seriously? Yeah, man. What do you know? Because I've been up here by myself and I've heard shit. Real scary shit. And sometimes I just want to know what you've heard. Or hell, anything to take my mind off this place at night. Alright, alright, man. Sheesh. Lucky for you. I know a story. Or four. But first, let's just throw a log in the fire and begin. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one, man. Your first story is... The Indian Skinwalker. You know, nothing is quite what it seems when it comes to supernatural, and especially so when you're alone in the desert at night, Ryan. I like the desert at night. They say it's dangerous to be out here, but I like it. It's good to sit by a campfire and drink a beer. Out here where there isn't any noise or traffic. You can see all the stars because there aren't any electric lights to chase them away. Sometimes the wind sings to you, but then somebody usually comes along and messes it up somehow. Mostly it's drunks who want to beat you up because you're from the reservation. So when I heard pebbles shifting somewhere off to my left, the hairs on the back of my neck started to tingle and my hand inched a little closer to my bowie knife. The figure that came walking out of the darkness didn't look very threatening. Just an old man wearing traditional Navajo clothing and leaning on a crooked walking stick as he shuffled quietly towards me. Getting cold. Came the old man's voice, dry as the desert. I expected him to say more, but instead, he just sat down across the campfire from me, laying the walking stick casually across his lap. There was something about him that made me uneasy, and my apprehension increased when his hand vanished into a leather pouch that hung from his belt, but he pulled forth only a crumpled pack of cigarettes, holding them slightly towards me. Smoke. Sure. I replied as my nerves began to relax. When he tossed me the pack, I noticed there was only two cigarettes left inside. I took one and tossed the pack back to him. I held my chrome zippo towards him, but he instead took a wooden match from behind his ear, scraping it against a small grey rock that dangled from a leather cord worn around his neck. The sudden flare of light illuminated his ancient weathered face, and his eyes seemed to sparkle eerily for a moment. Then he sat smoking silently. Dangerous out here at night, you know. He spoke softly after a while. Lots of things come out at night. Even things nobody believes in anymore. They still come around here sometimes. I smiled a little. You mean ghosts and goblins? Maybe ghosts? He answered after considering it a moment. Not goblins, I think. Not even sure what a goblin is. But there are other things too. 
things like the skinwalkers. You know about them? A sudden chill ran the length of my spine as the old man studied me quietly. Mum used to tell me stories about them when I was little. I mumbled. Then you know what can happen? Said the old man. They take the shape of a man and wear the skin of a man, but they're really more like an animal. Underneath, they have powers, too. Folks used to say only a shaman could defeat them. He turned his attention towards the campfire. His image seemed to ripple behind the waves of heat rising from the flames. Embers danced around him like angry red fairies. Lots of other things out here, too. He continued. The Wendigo, the Chupacabra, all sorts of things. They don't come around much anymore, but sometimes they do. Silence settled over us like a damp woolen blanket, the campfire seeming to begrudge us with what little heat it was providing. The stars twinkling above seemed suddenly to be laughing silently, sharing some sinister joke amongst themselves. The thin slice of moon sank behind a lone cloud bank, as though unwilling to witness whatever might transpire. The beast attacked us without warning. I felt claws sinking into my back as a great weight fell upon me. Then it was gone and I rose to see the old man falling backwards. Whatever was on top of him wasn't visible, but I could see jagged rips appearing in his clothing and in his flesh. Then suddenly, thrusting the walking stick upward and there was a terrible screeching sound. The creature fell backwards into the fire and became visible as it writhed in the flames. I can't really describe it. Imagine a pale white maggot taller than a man, its bloated mushy body bristling with claw-like barbs, something like a mouth at one end with rows of shark-like teeth lining the inside, a clump of black eyes that seemed completely lifeless as it rose from the fire and again hurled itself towards the old man. I'm not a hero. My brain was screaming for me to get out of there. To just run. Run anywhere. To just get away. But then I heard the old man's screams. I saw the empty cigarette pack lying crumpled on the ground. And something inside me stopped shaking and started getting angry instead. I tore away my clothes and then tore away my skin as well, revealing my true form. I was springing towards the ugly monstrosity before I really had time to think about it. Which is probably just as well. As I struggled with the creature, attacking savagely with my own teeth and claws, I caught a glimpse of the old man rising weakly to his feet. His walking stick was beginning to glow faintly, casting an eerie green light upon him as he moved forwards. He plunged the stick deep into the creature's side. The thing stopped biting at my face and made that deafening screeching sound again, but this time it didn't stop screeching for a long time. I'm not sure if it died or just went someplace else when it faded from view. I hope it died. The old man reached down to recover his walking stick from where it had fallen, watching me carefully. It's difficult for me to speak when I'm in my true form, but I can manage if I concentrate. What, what was it? I managed to ask. No idea. He answered with a puzzled frown. We stood staring at each other for a moment. You gonna need a new shirt. 
I pronounced quietly, pointing a talon at his torn and ruined clothing. <laughs> That's nothing. He chuckled. You're gonna need new skin. But then his smile faded. His grip tightened on the walking stick as he studied me in the campfire's flickering light. You can relax. I lisped. Shaman's skin won't work on me. His eyes drifted uncertainly to his walking stick. Still, he said softly, I'm supposed to try to destroy you. Yep. I hissed. Same here, old man. We continued staring uneasily at each other for a moment longer. Then the old man's smile slowly returned. Crazy world, ain't it? Crazy world. I agreed. As he turned to go, I glanced around and saw the shredded remains of my jacket, snagging it with a claw. I turned back towards the old man shuffling away into the darkness. Hey, Pops. I called quietly, tossing him the fresh pack of cigarettes that had been placed in my jacket pocket. I think I managed something like a human smile. He nodded, thanks, and then vanished into the desert night. I sat back down beside my campfire. A million stars twinkled overhead. They say it's dangerous being out here alone in the desert. But I like it. Sometimes the wind sings to you. And all you can do is sing back. So, uh, the main dude was a skinwalker himself? A monster? And the old shaman dude let him walk away? Yeah, I mean, the skinwalker saved the old man, and old man banished the worm from outer space back to wherever the hell it came from. That's some real weird shit, man. Well, it's not over. Have you heard of the Nightcrawler? No, but I'm listening. Well, let's just say it haunts the rivers and ponds of Bell Creek Nature's Preserve. Seriously, that was our next hiking spot. Well, they say it does, but it's moved apparently to the inner cities. What's moved? The Nightcrawler. Ryan, pay attention. On a gloomy night in an unnamed town, the rain blasts down onto the pavement of roads and concrete of sidewalks. The town is particularly barren at this time of night. One man walks through the precipitation to a local bar, the Sidewinder. It's just up ahead, the neon sign ever so obvious in the rain. The man checks his watch. It reads 11.15pm. He looks up and continues walking to the door of the pub, only to see a shadow beside him on the brick wall, illuminated by the streetlight. Looking behind him is nothing. Her must be seeing things. The man muttered to himself. The walk must have been further than he remembered, since it seemed he was making no progress, as if walking in place. Once more he saw a shadow and checked behind him. Nothing. The feeling of eyes on the back of his neck stung him like a heat ray. He walked faster to the bar when he heard a crack of a twig. 
He didn't bother to look behind him this time. His mind was just playing tricks again. At least that's what he thought, until a voice whispered into his ear. Don't look behind you. The man began to speed walk to the bar, as if it was some sort of sanctuary or safe haven for him and only him. To calm himself, he daydreamed of a warm whiskey sliding down his throat to numb the pain of his anxiety. He slowed his pace, feeling safer in his mind. That is, until he heard what sounded like claws scraping against a window. Panicking and sweating, he went into a short jog to lose whoever or whatever was behind him. He checked his watch again, 11.20pm. 11.20pm? That couldn't be possible. The bar still looked a good 30 seconds away, and he'd been walking for five minutes. Something was seriously wrong. Don't look behind you. That damn voice again. It sounded harsher this time, like it was demanding something. Rain patted onto his head. Shit. He realized the umbrella wasn't covering him. Quickly preventing the rain from getting him wetter than he already was. Another sound to pester him came from behind... It sounded like groaning, like a dog on the brink of dying. He did not look behind him in fear of what was there. It got more distorted the further he got from the light. He changed his pace when not illuminated by the street lamps to lose the creature. Don't look behind you. He broke out into a sprint to the bar. It seemed as if the bar was getting farther away. The glow of the neon sign fading out of existence, throwing his umbrella behind him. He ran even faster. But it sounded like whatever was behind him ran on all fours. Was it a bear? A deer? He didn't want to stick around to find out. He ran as fast as he could, sprinting to a building with more light inside. But then, all the street lamps went out in the snap of a finger. Defeated, he fell to his knees and wept. What do you want from me? Come to me. The four-legged animal beckoned. The man looked behind him for a final time to be met with glowing yellow eyes and a monkey-shaped figure on all fours. It looked to be wearing a black spandex suit on his abdomen. What? What the hell are you? The man questioned. I am the Nightcrawler, the beast proclaimed. Without a second word, the feral animal tore him to shreds with its filthy claws, devouring each slice of muscle it could manage. It moaned with pleasure as it gorged on human meat, leaving a mess of scarlet fluid to flow down the storm drain, along with the rain. The Nightcrawler stuffed the body down the storm drain as well, then went back to its habitat in the sewer system for its next victim. Man, man, it's bloody 1am here and we're near a pond with creatures of all weird and- Ryan, chill. Frickin' chill. Didn't you pay attention? It's in the city, not here. Ah, oh, right, right. Is it real? Who knows? I can only imagine that something out there like this exists. To turn people into living pretzels that are crammed down a sewer's poop chute? Yeah, Ryan. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Why, thank you, Jared. 
You know, we're really surrounded by so many trees here. Yeah, no shit, sure. Which leads me, Ryan, to my next story. Oh. <laughs> ya te vio. Bless you. No, man, it's a creature of the woods. It means... You won't see it until it's too late. Any forest you go into, any woodland you traverse, any park you walk in, hell, anywhere a tree grows, there's a chance that it will be there too. It blends in perfectly, matches whatever flora surrounds it. The environment doesn't matter. Whatever the sunlight and water levels are, that's irrelevant to this thing. Flesh and blood are the only things it needs. Its leaves are just an illusion, like camouflage. Whenever it has its prey in the right spot, those leaves just vanish, and it goes straight into full predator mode. It was born in the depths of Madagascar, they say. The ancient natives thought of it like a god and routinely made sacrifices to it, something that missionaries discovered to their shock and horror. It was the traveling of these missionaries that allowed the creature's spores to travel across the globe. By now, there are clusters of these creatures spread across every continent. By now, you might be asking, what is this thing? It's a tree. A carnivorous man-eating tree. Its branches are tentacles, wooden pythons that catch their prey. Its eyes and more are hidden within its bark, concealed from sight until it's too late for you to do anything. It's a patient monster, likes to wait until you're nice and close. So close that you couldn't escape it if you became aware of what it was. Its tentacles will snatch you up like wooden pythons, wrapping around your body until you're entirely cocooned by the wood. If it's not the suffocation that kills you, it's the crushing. The tendrils will constrict and bear down on your body, breaking every one of your bones in the most painfully slow way you can imagine. If you're lucky, you'll be caught by a grown one, since they can kill you faster like this. The younger ones, well, a crushing from them takes time. When it's done crushing the life from you, then it eats. Its bark opens wide into a gaping maw of teeth, like two rows of gleaming steak knives. Its tentacles tear you limb from limb, and then it gets to work munching every limb and slurping every little droplet of blood that escapes your corpse. It's always hungry, always eager to feed. What's the name of this man eating tree, you may ask? Well, there is the ancient term used by Madagascar natives, and the rough English translation of the name is Ya Te Vio. I see you. So, it just eats you if you're too damn slow to move? Ryan, if you fall asleep next to an anaconda, the damn thing will eat you. This creature has anacondas for hands, man. That shit's a crushing death in a wooden canoe made of pythons. Oh, yeah, that's fair. The fact that this creature has patience enough to kill someone when they least expected it, Ryan, should be warning to you. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably just doze off directly on its mouth. It's gonna need a lot of patience, even just eating me. <laughs> yeah, damn right. Oh man, I'm getting a little tired, dude. It's late, man. It's 2 a.m. Yeah, wait. I got one more in me. One more? You sure you? Absolutely. What spider has ten legs? I mean, spiders have. Wait. What? 
ten legs. Seriously. Well, you're gonna hear about a spider with ten legs and a unique pair of eyes. Let me preface this by saying I have a severe case of arachnophobia. Seriously, even those tiny ones scare the shit out of me. If I spot a spider in my room, any room, you can bet your ass I'll be the first to leave it. So it's God's greatest joke that this should be happening to me. The guy who regularly dissolves into tears over a fucking daddy long legs in the sink. Just a few days back. I ran into a friend of mine on my way to the corner shop, so naturally, I was forced to stop and make small talk. When I glanced down at my feet, whilst racking my brain for an excuse to leave, I saw these long, hairy legs sticking out from under my Reebok, twitching meekly. Now, when I say those legs were long, I don't mean, hey, that spider's got pretty long legs, long. I mean, holy fucking shit, look how long that spider's legs are, long. I'm not exaggerating when I say that its leg span could easily have covered a small car's wheel from end to end, staring down in utter revulsion, not daring to remove my foot from what I imagined to have been a very gruesome scene. Some part of me noted that this monster had ten legs in place of eight. Without looking back, I turned tail and sprinted all the way back down the street to my house. At the front door, I kicked the offending shoe off in the street before slamming it shut. I backed up to the sofa, shuddering as phantom spiders crawled around under my shirt. The rest of that evening was spent on my laptop trying to find the species that the spider belonged to whilst simultaneously avoiding the images tab. I'd seen enough spiders already, thanks. As expected, my efforts uncovered nothing, and so I retired to bed for the night feeling very confused and very uncomfortable. Sometime during the night, I awoke to the faint sound of scuttling in the darkness. Blinking sleep from my eyes, I rolled over and flicked on the bedside lamp. As warm light washed over the cramped bedroom, my blissful ignorance shattered into oblivion. On the bedside table, so close to the lamp I'd almost touched it, sat a huge, ten-legged spider. I was unable to move, unable to think, unable to breathe, as I looked at its face, set into the front of its dark, fat body, were a pair of brown eyes. Human eyes. They were heavily bloodshot and didn't appear to have eyelids, just big, round, and boring deep into mine. It was an abomination, the stuff of nightmares, even for someone without my crippling fear of spiders. Whenever my head moved, its eyes would swivel unblinking to track mine. Something about knowing that it was watching freaked me the hell out, and then I blinked. In the split second that my eyes were shut, there was a sound of mad scrambling followed by a sickeningly heavy weight falling upon my chest. It was on top of me, its bulging eyes locked onto mine mere inches from my face. My heart hammered furiously for the remainder of that night and well into the morning. The spider stayed as motionless as I did, apart from the constant, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, running through my mind. I only had two unique thoughts the entire time. There was the point that I very nearly broke, and actually considered knocking the beast away and making a run for it. But knowing full well it would have probably just killed me with those vicious fangs, I couldn't go through with it. I also came to the realization that this had 
to be the same creature I'd stepped on earlier that day. In fact, I was certain of it. it. Took me an embarrassingly long time to snap to it, but then my mind wasn't exactly at peak performance just then. I'd killed it, and this was its insane idea of revenge? Lord knows how it returned to life. Hours after the torment had begun, when the sun had fully risen, the thing finally zipped away in an instant, disappearing through the open door. It was a while before I felt able to move again, and even longer until the torrent of tears finally stopped. Later that same morning, I received some troubling news. Apparently my neighbor, Todd, had been taken to the hospital during the early hours of the morning. His wife had awoken to the sound of his sobbing. When she had turned on the lights, she had been horror-struck to find that her husband's eyes were missing, with dark, empty pit in their place. I can only imagine what it must feel like to open your eyes but see nothing. That poor guy. I have an appointment with the therapist tonight. I'll be paying through the nose for him to convince me that this shit didn't happen. Money well spent, if you ask me. So here's my advice to you. If anyone ever needs you to kill a spider, then by all means, rid the world of as many as you can. You'd be doing many of us a huge favor. Trust me. But for your own sake, you might want to count its legs before you do. I don't know what I would have done. Waking up to a spider with two human eyes and ten legs. Throw up, maybe? Then what? Uh, throw up again? Scream till I fall asleep? Do some kind of awful action man roll out of my bed covers and probably faceplant? Then fart? The last one. That's happened before, hasn't it, Ryan? Whatever do you mean, man? Mm-hmm. Ryan, my good pal. It's time to sleep. Are you thoroughly distracted? Dude, I'm distracted enough, and it's late enough, to shut these exhausted eyes. See you tomorrow, man, and thanks for the stories. Good night, Ryan. Good night, Jared. Thank you so much for listening, you lovelies. Did you like the style of today's episode? A different narrative delivery and one that I hope you'll like. Also, a big shout out to my listeners from Florida. Woohoo! You lovelies are listening and listening hard. Thanks for the love. I want to thank my amazing Patreon supporters that keep this show growing from stride to stride. My legendary Ode Night Titan, Maya, Queen of the Fear Lights. Bringer of ultimate podcast upgrades and saviors of kittens from the realm of mistreatment. Thank you so much, you legend. Not an episode goes by without your touch, and I'm lucky to have your support. I'm working extra hard on the OTRs and doubling down on repairing good old Philip Marlowe, the amazing punch-em-up detective. <laughs> Cheers, Maya. You're epic. My white tea warlord, the enigmatic bringer of light, Solstra, demigod of creative arts, wizard of pencil magics, and keeper of all things kind. Thank you, Solstra, for your amazing support. High fives and hugs your way, mate. You're brilliant. My white tea warlord, Lee Bauer, the man who always can, the kicker of goals, the punter of evil, and a man with abs of steel. 
Dude, thank you so much for supporting me in the way you do, and it's always a joy to hear from you. Thanks, mate. And my white tea warlord, the queen of knowledge, the caster of smarts, and the bringer of mysterious uncharted charts, Paige Kramer. Paige, you are a legend, and never forget that. Thank you for being your awesome self and supporting this podcast. You are awesome. And to my brilliant lightning in a bottle, Earl Grain Forces, I have Joss Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, divided by zero, Leah Fassig, and Alia Arcane. Thank you all for supporting me. If you want to support the show and have a big old heart like these amazing people, then visit patreon.com forward slash sfgt and you can send your love straight to me that way. All support goes back into production. Stay awesome, my creepy-licious peeps, and as always, till next we meet.